Queers. Hey, listeners. It's Jake. And Frankie. And what are you eating? I'm eating Project 7 <laughs> Gourmet Sour Leaves Sour Chewy Gummies, okay? It has watermelon smash, rainbow ice, front porch lemonade, and fairy tale fruit. And yes, one fairy of, tale fruit. Fairy that's tale what they fruit. Call me. I thought that's what your nickname, no? <laughs> <laughs> is that what they called you in college? Yeah. I, it's funny because my nickname is in here too, Rainbow Ice. <laughs> yes. <that's... laughs> one of these flavors is nasty and I can't figure out which one it is. What color is it? I think... I don't know. It's like they're all different colors, all different shapes. I just don't get it. Um, I think fairy tale fruit. It's a wow. little wow. It's a little rotten. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm eating sour punch, um, sour punch bites. Which That's I better. Love. They're so good. Like I don't. Is there a better candy? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, well, thank you guys. Welcome to Fear the Talking Queers. Yes. So you went to some protests this, this past week. Yeah, I went to three protests, and it was a really encouraging to see how many people have are like coming out, to, like to come out to these protests. The little town that I live in, it's not a town; it's like a little city mm-hmm. in Southern California, in Orange County, called Garden Grove. And um, Ooh, it sounds like a soap opera. <laughs> yeah, Garden Grove. <laughs> Last week on Garden Grove. <laughs> He's like Moira from Uh Yeah, so I mean, it's not the biggest city in Orange County, but we had, and this was like down the street from me, we had thousands of protesters come out. It was, oh, wow. It was, yeah, it was so cool to see and getting to march in these protests and getting to stand alongside and fight along with people is... Um, it's such an important thing. It's such an important thing for everybody who can possibly use their voice to do. If you have the ability to go out and protest, like I strongly encourage you to do it. We need voices. They need voices. They need help. You know, it's true. It's a totally different experience being in the protest versus being at home talking about them and signing petitions. And it's a, it's a different experience. I mean, I learned so much just by attending them. I mean, I, I listened to some incredible speakers. I went to one in, um, in long beach, California. We, we did this great march to the mayor's house. There's a lot of um, discontent with the ma- with the mayor of Long Beach. With you know, of course, with with police funding and you know right. the 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 non accountability that's there for police officers who unjustly commit crimes like killing black and brown people senselessly and getting away with it with no repercussion and so we marched right to his house you know we heard some incredible speakers stand up on a car with a bullhorn it's an important moment everybody goes silent everybody's listening listening her name was future she's a member of um the of black lives matter and she just gave an incredible speech that was empowering and eye-opening and for me one of the important things is that to be constantly reminded of your privilege yeah is honestly i mean not that being reminded is something that people should do but like you should start recognizing it in yourself more you know totally and and so now like it's just opened my eyes to learning so much more than i thought i knew so much believe in what they're doing and i still have so much more to learn yeah. You know, I've I've so much that I can educate myself on mm-hmm. and the the journey doesn't stop at the protests, you know. And that's the one thing that's really important that, you know, you hear a lot there is like don't let this this protest just be something you do this week. Right. You know, it's not a fad. Like this is something that's important. I mean, that's just some of the amazing things I've learned 
this week from going out to the to the protests. I think it's been incredible. Yeah, I went to a protest in Napa this past Sunday, and it started out as actually a children's march. Um, wow. It was for children to learn about social justice and exercising their right to protest. And um, of course, it was all Black Lives Matter. A lot of uh, adults went, and a lot of children went. Uh, children of all different races, but because it is Napa, it was you know a prominently white community here. So right. most of them were white, which is uh, touching to see because they were using their privilege to be out there and support the black community. It was organized by a new organization called the People's Collective for Change, which is a new organization here in Napa, actually. They just started, like, I think last week, maybe. And they're already working with the chief of police, who was there and made a speech um, and promised a close connection with the Napa PD and the community. Um, And he's a black man, so he said that coming there... He came as a black man first and, you know, the chief of police second. That's, so it's good. We, we love to hear it. We love to see it. That's yeah, great. Yeah, absolutely. So we made all these signs and the kit. We took all the kids with us and they were out there um, exercising their right. My godson felt compelled to speak into the megaphone and uh, his voice be heard. And um, adorable. So it was really adorable. And then it turned into a, like a full on protest afterward where we marched, you know, through the streets. We took those signs that we made and we posted them outside of our house. So the fight is oh, going on on the highway too, right here. If you, but uh. we hear honking all day and we have the privilege of having our front just facing right against the highway and people commute up and down here all damn day. So they're honking and our signs are bright pink, green, blue. So you see Let them them know. I also donated to a few places because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to protest because there weren't a lot of accessible protests here that I knew about. So um, I donated to um, the Bay Area Black-Owned Business Relief Fund to help Black-owned businesses around the Bay Area that were affected by looting and riots. And then also the Black Youth Project, the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and Black Lives Matter. Those were the most touching to me. So I did that. And one of the ways I found to increase my donation and maximize what I did was I asked my office to match my donation, which I already knew was a benefit of my employment I did that I took advantage of it which nobody in our office ever does and it's like I encourage everybody to do that whether you know if it's a benefit or not like just ask your employer if you were unaffected by shutdowns and shelters in place go ask your employer if they'll match your donation wait that's amazing I love that that's such a good idea yeah and I'm glad you're like you like brought that idea to light like I hope people hear this and and I hope that you go out there and try to do the same thing I I unfortunately don't have a company at the moment. <laughs> well, I mean, kind of, you know, in between things. But, yeah. Um, but I love that. That's such a good idea. Yeah. So These protests, yeah, these donations, these uh, petitions, they're making a difference because a lot of cities are oh, making moves. Shit is changing left yeah. and right. And this is the biggest civil rights movement, not only in America, but in the world. So all 50 states have had protests in at least one city. And you have endless countries the last post i saw said 18 countries but i just looked at this list and i counted 55 plus countries that were on there that had at least one even if it was just 100 people they had a, one city so all seven continent well 
not Antarctica, but, <laughs> <laughs> but all the other continents had a protest. We got to change legislation, you know, and that's not just in the the national election. It is so important to, to know who your local government is because yeah. those are the people that are in power. Those are the people that hire, you know, the police commissioners and know these things. I would, I, I didn't know any of them before any of this and that is absolutely insane yeah. i i should know who's running my city i find it quite it's, fun to vote absolutely we are exercising our fucking rights to you know when we when we vote like that is yeah that is democracy in its finest right there one thing that um th- that one of the women who was running the protest yesterday had mentioned was the importance of voting but she also had mentioned that they make it hard for people to vote because of the vocabulary and the structure of the grammar yes yes, and, yes. And because illiteracy is a true thing here in america if that's the case and you feel that it intimidates you because those can be intimidating there are so many resources online that simplify what you're voting yes for. sometimes there's so complicated you're like wait what like right. i have no idea what this I means but there are things that will research. break it down yeah yeah there are things that will break it down and so you can go into those polls and be like i know this person this person this person i know what they stand yeah. for and this is who we need you go in yeah. there with confidence you know it you may not know the words that are on the page but you know what they're talking about exactly yeah. exactly you're like boop boop i know right. that this means this i'm hoping that this lead is leading the way to a better future for sure yeah Absolutely. I agree. So I know last week we talked, we said that we were going to release our scream episode. Well, we're putting her on the back burner. We decided that we're going to explore the movies within horror noir, which we covered last week because amplify those melanated voices. The film we're talking about today wasn't made by black filmmakers, but it does cover some, um, it's a black horror movie essentially from what i've heard it's very prominent within black culture like people know Candyman. Candyman, like, yeah he, he is he's right so yes we are talking about Candyman specifically candy man 1992 inspired me to um eat candy eat candy smacking it in not, our ears <laughs> not not that i ever need an excuse to eat candy um because i do it a lot yeah so what's this movie about Candyman, released in 1992 Candyman is the story of a young beautiful and white semiotic grad student named Helen doing her thesis on urban legends. Along with her colleague Bernadette, Helen learns about the urban folklore surrounding the Cabrini Green projects and the murderous apparition known as Candyman. As Helen and Bernadette dig deeper into the story, they find out that the legend is all too real as Helen begins to have visions of Candyman who beckons for her to join him in the afterlife and revive the fear and belief in his congregation who have begun to doubt his existence. It is revealed that Candyman was the son of a slave who rose to financial success and Candyman was brought up with a proper education. Um, when he is hired as an artist to paint the virginal white daughter of the elite, they fall in love and they begin to expect a child. The girl's father, not consenting of their interracial relationship, hires a mob to murder Candyman, cutting off his hand and covering his body with honey and bees until he's stung to death. His ashes are then spread over the land that will later become the Cabrini Green Projects in Chicago. Helen begins to realize that she is actually the reincarnation of Candyman's lost love, and he will stop at nothing to kill her and have her by his side as they terrorize the world together, including kidnapping a baby, killing Helen's partner Bernadette, and framing her for those crimes. 
crimes. And that is Candyman in a nutshell. Very small nutshell. I, I wouldn't say uh, it's the best slasher out there. Yeah, I definitely have a lot of questions. The first one being, Vanessa Williams is not actually in this movie. <laughs> Did you notice that? One of the, the actress that plays the character of Anne-Marie, her name is Vanessa Williams. Yeah. I, and as soon as, that, as, soon, as soon as that popped up, I was like, <gasps> and then it wasn't her. And I was like, oh, okay. That's on, fine. On, I know, <laughs> no, you know what? I knew who Vanessa Williams was. I, Vanessa Estelle Williams, because to Ooh, differentiate yes. the two, right? Okay. So she is actually going to be in Candyman 2020. No way. Yeah. She's the character. She's playing the character again of Anne Marie. So it's being referred to as a spiritual sequel. And the main actor in Candyman 2020, Yahya Abdul Mateen II, will play mm-hmm. Anthony McCoy, her son, the one that is the baby. <gasps> I just oh, found this out. Wait, I just, I just got chills. Yes. Wait, that's great. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wait, that's amazing. Yes. Oh, wow. That, that That's great. So I'm looking even more forward to... And actually, um, the character of Anne-Marie is in the uh, trailer for this. She's the one that goes... Oh, don't say that. Wow. There I know. You go. So I'm like, that's oh, what doing okay. your research does. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, that's exciting. I, I okay. almost told you about that before we started, but I was like, no, I'm going to surprise him because I ah, know. No, th- <laughs> no. Yeah, I didn't. That was great. Good call. Thanks. Vanessa Williams making her You're welcome. Oh, I, I thought you were telling me, Vanessa. <laughs> well, yeah, you too. Thank you for that information. <laughs> the first thing I notice when this movie starts is that there's like that shot of like the city. It's like the view of the city from really far away. And then you see all those bees come in. <laughs> And just, like, surround the city. Yeah. I think it's really scary. It was scary, especially with the murder hornets That's... coming around to the U.S. Right? Okay. Yeah, like, that the, Like that shot, which I found out is that was, like, the first shot of that kind of, like, that far back of, like, a city what? where you can see the whole city. Like, yeah, that was one of, like, the first ones. Wow. Like, ever. I don't know. That's Yeah, but I thought, like... Maybe the bees, like, coming into the city and surrounding it was sort of like a metaphorical image for, like, Candyman is everywhere. Right. Like, Candyman can be anywhere. And, yeah, that's what I got from that. Did you have... You probably didn't even have any thoughts on that, other than where the fuck did it come from? I was like, is this Attack of the Killer Bees? (laughs) (laughs) This movie is based off the short story, The Forbidden, by Clive Barker. And then Bernard Rose turned it into a full-fledged screenplay. um, But instead of having the... The short story takes place in Liverpool, but instead he found um, the racial prejudices in Chicago very appalling, I guess, um, which, I mean, come on. Right. So, you know, making this film, with it being so heavily based in a black neighborhood, he did consult with the NAACP, but they watched it, they read the script, and they're like, we're not worried about this, it's fun, it's... You know, and there's a lot of unintentional symbolism, which we can get into. You know, I feel like some of it gets a little lost. And I don't know if I'm just making this up because I tried to find articles about like the symbolism and in-depth, you know, theories about Candyman. And I can't find anything. So I was just like, I'm just going to write down what I think. What's your next question? We get like a little bit of like backstory about Candyman and that his birth uh, of a like, nation he- backstory. Yeah, his birth of a nation backstory for sure, because it's like it's very parallel with like you know a black man lusting out not i don't want to say lusting but like the white falling lust in love with a white like, woman yes falling in like, uh, love with a white woman and getting and lynched. killed yeah and getting lynched for it he was literally just lynched by a bunch of a bunch of white people then he comes back and then it's not ex- to me it's like okay what is what why, why do, how does that not really affect his 
motive. His his motive. Yeah, like why doesn't why isn't that it, a bigger thing? Really why isn't that a bigger issue? It. I think they just put his backstory in there as like a you know oh wow this is kind of explaining why he's sure why he died. It's not really a right. sense of why he's there because like oh, in the horror noir they do say you can tell this movie is written by a white person because it. It, he's terrorizing the black community. Okay. That's where the symbolism came in for me because I'm like, okay, why is he terrorizing black people? And why, like you said, is his backstory not the motive for his killings? So I almost thought of that yeah. as like a, a metaphor, a kind of parallel to the generational horror that black people have faced from the time that Candyman died, be- way before that, and then and then in current time of the movie 1992 in the inner city projects of Chicago. So I'm like, maybe that's just the the message behind it. I don't think that's intentionally in there, but I think that for me, that's what makes the most sense is that it's this ongoing horror that black people have to face from from being and subjected to have to live in Cabrini Green to being lynched for being in an interracial uh, sorry <laughs> interracial relationship <laughs> right I don't know I for me I don't I almost feel like it's like uh just like an oversight I feel like it's almost like whipped up on a but whim. then like on a on not yeah not on a whim, but like almost like they didn't feel like they had a need to address it. Like, oh yeah, this is his backstory. When actually something like that, I think, would is major. Would right would strengthen his motive and give it more meat and have more me- like meaning. Like I, it doesn't make sense to me that he would that that isn't a part of the folklore. Yeah, like that he 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 comes back to. I don't know, get revenge. Seek his justice, which, you know, Uh, we talked about and they talk about in horror noir is, you know, a lot of what black horror movies are about is, you know, creating this world where black people have their justice. And um, Mm -hmm. I don't think this movie gives you that. No, not at all. In fact, it, in fact, it sort of plays into the, to like, the tropes. I thought and, it would be you know, more intriguing that he comes back and Helen is more of less of a, you know, reincarnation, more of a descendant of that, and he just sure. terrorizes her and her family. I was like, why is that not the 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 the, the, the plot? Especially because we're talking about the major part of it being the inner city projects of Chicago and Candyman. He's black and he has this black horror backstory, and uh, but the movie the whole time is focused on Virginia Madsen's character Helen. And she's just a white woman, and she's the only character who's fully fleshed out. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like and Bernadette, like her, like her, her, the character of Bernadette, who's her, her, I guess her colleague slash best friend. Yes, you know she she's black, and she, Who, by the way, is played by Casey Lemons. Yes, Casey famed Lemons, famed director, Eve's Bayou, Harriet. Uh, she did the Netflix miniseries uh, Self Made, the Madam C.J. Walker and uh, story. Yeah, her character is com- her character is just there to serve the purpose of Virginia Madsen's character. At one point, like Virginia Madsen's character gets uh, she gets like beaten up. I heard you were looking yeah. for Candyman, bitch. Candyman. Yes, <laughs> iconic. Oh. Yeah, and she so she's like out of the game for a little bit, and then you know Bernadette pops up and was like, "I did all this work for you while you were out, and here's this that we found. Here, here's this that we found. Bye." And then she literally just she's just there to like support Virginia Madsen's character. Yeah, she literally does and then, all the work, and then gets murdered. Yeah, yeah, and then she just becomes a um, like a device, how you know of to the, again the trope, ex- the black ex- best friend. 
Right, the, the, the trope of the black first friend. She gets murdered, which then frames our, you know, our innocent white character. It's not, she's not a fully fleshed out character. Not at um, all. But that's uh, not surprising for 1992. Right. And there are a few black caricatures in here as well. I think they tried their best to steer away from that, but they're in there. Bern- Bernadette wasn't even supposed to be the black best friend. Actually, Virginia Matson was cast as oh, Bernadette. Oh, yeah. And um, Bernard Rose's girlfriend, Alexandra Pig, her last name is Pig, with two Gs. Um, oh, she was okay. cast as Helen, but she was pregnant. So, uh, well, actually, Virginia Matson lost the role of Bernie because they decided to go black for uh, Bernie. So then, right, because they because they moved the location. Right. Oh, yes. So then they decided that, you know, well, Alexandra decided that she was pregnant. And so um, they wanted that to be Virginia Matson. But if she weren't going to be able to do it, they wanted to do Sandra Bullock. Yeah, it's come on, Sandra Bullock. Oh, Sandra. Yeah, because she was because she was like a relatively unknown, or she was just kind of starting out her career. Yeah, right. Sandy. You know that Eddie Murphy was the first choice for Candyman. Yeah, Eddie Murphy. I don't see that. Happening. But the, but they, but they thought he was too short. But I heard it was too expensive. I heard he was too short because <laughs> Tony Todd's like six Tony five. Tony Todd is a presence. To, uh, he is. To I mean, be reckoned with. Tony Todd is so he he is terrifying in this like his presence and like what they do with like his voice oh, the, the score every time he appears oh, and it gets yeah. real like church chorus yeah like, oh, you know it's like ooh, right this is a godlike right. presence he, right and he has that deep voice that's like that's like echoed like they put so much reverb oh, on it into where totally. it, it sounds like it's inside your head yes. like that I, I honestly and thought that was really- she's entranced by him which is totally believable oh and they actually Hypnotized her. her. What she looks like. Legitimately hypnotized. I know. I know. And then they like, and I think that's like when they really start to allude to her being like the virgin because all of a sudden she has like this like virginal white lighting over her Uh. eyes and she looks so angelic and like, you know, set like her clothes, like she's wearing a white top now. And she's blonde. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, yeah, she's like blonde and blue. Yeah. She looks like the, the typical sort of I guess that was innocent pa- back then painting I mean yeah of innocence uh, yeah she honestly she kind of looks like Madonna like, oh my god Andre literally said who is that is that Madonna <laughs> yeah she looks like Madonna she looks like Madonna that's not Madonna but she looks totally. like Madonna and Sharon Stone her, like oh, in Basic Instinct yes her style is totally you know Madonna yeah basic did you know that Tony Todd has paid an extra thousand dollars for every bee sting yeah, I read that on good. Wikipedia, and he got twenty three <laughs> bee stings, which means he got twenty three thousand dollars just for getting stung by bees. I wish somebody would offer me that kind of money. Oh my god! I'm and a bee. Virginia I'm a bee. Matson was allergic to bees, so when he had this, no, she wasn't. What? She's a liar. She lied about it. What she said was that she she just was scared of the idea, so she said she was allergic. So then they sent her to UCLA to get like a test. And it turns out she was like not allergic at all. She was just fucking scared. She, so I would have fired like, her on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't tell me that. You better get out. I know you read the script. <laughs> so then she's like, "Fine, I'll do it." And then she felt fucking badass for doing well, it. Well, so. actually, I heard that they got baby bees who had no stingers to to do that part for her. I mean, to do yeah. to you know, so they wouldn't sting her ass. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I'd be terrified. I told this to you earlier. Today I got in my car and I haven't driven it more than like three times in the past couple months. And there were spider webs in my car. (laughs) 
and I was so scared, and now I have a bug bite, and I'm freaking out. I'm like, I can't go in my car ever again. You haunted ass bitch. <laughs> oh my god, what the fuck? I was like, not spiders. Yes. Sometimes that happens to me. I live out in the middle of nowhere, so sometimes I get in, and it's straight up arachnophobia nest in my. I'm gonna. Uh, I just got chills. Yeah. Oh my god. Ew. Ew. Um. Okay. So I have a few more. Qu- I have a few more questions. Yeah. Just because, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe this is explain. I know there are like two sequels and they say like the sequels do kind of explain more things, but I haven't seen those. But um, yeah. so I have a couple questions. I just like literally just jotted them, jotted them down. Okay. okay. So maybe you can clarify any yeah, of this Yeah, I probably me. have the answers. I'm smart. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so Candyman. Candyman shows up when you say Candyman five times uh. in the mirror. Okay, so, but also, Helen happens to be this, like, you know, whatever descendant or reincarnation or whatever of his previous dead lover, as we kind of learn later on. It does this mean that he showed up because she said Candyman five times, or um, was it always, like, fate that she would, no matter what happens in her life, yeah, say that in the mirror, like, was she always going to end up... Was she always going to end up doing that at some point in her life? Like she was destined to say that five times in the mirror. See, I don't know because yeah. Bernadette says it only four times and stops herself and she still gets killed. Yeah. And the little Which, boy who gets castrated in the bathroom, they never say that he said it. Oh, I hate it. I don't understand that scene. I don't what? either. What was the point of having Candyman like... I don't chop, know. Chop There's that little boy's so dick many off. ideas in here. Okay, so Ruthie Jean... Um, is the, you know, one of the women in Cabrini Green that gets killed by Candyman. Was that her name? Ruthie Jean? Yeah. What'd you think it was? It wasn't... Oh, I guess Anne. I was thinking Ruthie Anne, but Anne-Marie. Anyway. No, so, look, okay, so that's actually a true story of a woman named Ruthie Mae McCoy, who Anne-Marie oh, McCoy, yeah, yeah. Um, lived in Chicago's Abbott Homes and was killed by an intruder who entered her apartment through an opening behind the medicine cabinet in the bathroom. So what? they just oh, yeah. ripped that story straight from the headlines. But also, those are some really convenient circumstances that she's like, this happened in this building. It just so happens that my building also was designed completely like this building. Okay, why is that? But is that, I mean, is it intentional? Is that, is that like destiny that she's in there for a reason? No, that has nothing (laughs) to do with the plot of the story. (laughs) Why is she saying that, oh, my apartment complex was once the project's too, but then they changed it to a lavish luxury co- condos, which uh, her apartment is just as small as those Cabrini Green projects, too. One of the questions I had was, why in the hell did they give Candyman this birth of a nation horrific backstory at, that didn't even humanize him enough to give him a name? Yeah, like, like why yeah, what's is his actual name? Just, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, he, he has, so I, one of the articles that I read, I think it was on rollingstone.com, um, where it's like he suffers this tragic death, but gets no sympathy from the audience. No matter how human his backstory is, he's still portrayed as a monster. And it's like, yeah, he's just this black man portrayed as a monster. And even though he has this very sympathetic human backstory, he's just still a monster with no name then his like motive his motive is i guess to is like for he, he needs in order for him to survive he needs people to believe in him and so he's like curating the story with with helen that she's like a that she 
she's like he's like creating her myth like her mythology with her like murdering all these people like being framed for these murders so she's considered scary so, is that so once really his revenge I don't know. I don't know if it's revenge that he's after. Is he? I don't think. Because she I don't ends think up so. being like a martyr. Like they all go to her funeral, and you know, and they throw the hook in there with her, which I don't get because he wasn't. Which real. right? Which, what? Right? Which is why I was like, okay, I really, I literally wrote. I was like, why does? Why did Jake, the little boy from the Cabrini Green Projects, yeah. who, who sort of, has helped Helen along the way, little, he like, finds the hook and then he drops it into her. Well, be- because her. during the bonfire, they show Candyman's body burning. And I'm like, but he's a right. spirit. Why is he burning? I know. That's also really confusing. Like, okay, so and he, like, actually he's like... And they have his hook. Yeah. So it's like, is he a ghost? Is he corporeal? Like, can you touch him? Like, he, she's at one point, at one point, I thought this was very strange. She, like, she goes, Helen goes back to the Cabrini Green Projects, and she goes through that hole in in like the mirror and she finds Candyman sleeping I was like what he, I mean I mean I don't think I've ever like seen like one of the, like the evil supernatural <laughs> monsters like taking a Take nap, a nap. <laughs> just taking a snooze he's like laying there and then she comes up and then she stabs him in the neck with the hook and then he gets up and immediately pulls it out and he's fine and he continues speaking to her right. But then later on, they're in the fire, and she, like, stabs him with a piece of wood. And he's like, oh, and then he burns up and dies. I'm like, wait, like, is he killable? No, is he not killable? No. And that whole ending with her, you know, burning and stuff like that. It's like, and then she becomes basically the new Candyman where, you know, the, the ex-husband says her name five times in the mirror. And she comes up and she kills him with the hook. He created an immortal boogeyman out of her. But why would he want to be overshadowed if his main motive is for him to be the legend that people think? Right, that- Right, so that's why I thought they would be like working together, but you don't see him in that final scene when Helen comes back as this like evil the new boogeyman, uh, you know, this evil spirit that kills her her husband for cheating on her. Helen, oh. Helen. Helen. I was like, oh my god. So we have, so we have like you know, Candyman, Candyman, yeah. and then now the new one is Helen, Helen, right. Hel- I was like, so beware, Candyman <laughs> and Helen. Yes. Like- <laughs> now she's. This new boogeyman. Okay, so I thought about this. Okay, I was like, could this be symbolic of whites and mainstream media appropriating black culture and trend and letting it become a trend and passing it off as their own? That's what happened to me. Because like Candyman, Candyman, you know this this black story that ultimately ends up being a white woman whose name is Helen. Which these days well, the I... white woman boogeyman would be named Karen. Yeah, Karen, Karen, Karen. <laughs> there is. One of the big controversies about the movie is that because it was <clears throat> written by white people, right? Like, are they appropriating? Like, are they or are they just using like urban culture as like a tool, like without, well, and like creating urban folklore mm-hmm. when they when they are not from that that culture? And so it's like, is this was this an appropriate move to make without you know? Um, people of color's voices being involved because obviously obviously right. it probably wasn't seeing as how the movie turned out problematic right. yeah it's a little problematic um the, it's kind of like the curse of la llorona like you know it focuses on a white family but but her right. maybe her kids are half latino i don't know they won't really explain that but it's like sure. this is like usually a you know a latino primarily mexican or, folklore and there's just white right. people in the movie of course and you know what same thing for uh the grudge 
uh, you know. Yes, a Japanese spirit pla- in Japan, yeah. but Sarah Michelle Gellar is the main character. Right. Mm-hmm. Why is that what we what they expect people to want to see? Take this culture and 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 use its folklore, but what like we're gonna make it really comfortable for people, and we're just gonna put a bunch of white people in it because they sympathize with that. Uh, exactly. They're not gonna. The audience sympathizes with that. Right, because people don't sympathize this, when people of color are being murdered. That is true, because this takes me to when The Hunger Games was cast, and I read this horrific article about Twitter going into an uproar when Rue, the little girl who dies in the first movie, gets cast as a black actress, and somebody on Twitter, who was a white teenager, actually said, why did they cast Rue as black? How am I supposed to feel sorry for her when she dies? Literally, oh that was my the god! Wow. I was like, you stupid bitch. What the hell? I could not People believe that. Fucked. I was like, and that's someone's kid writing that shit on Twitter. I had some other weird okay, questions. Keep them about, but, mo- but mostly, I mean, these are all like, it's a bit confusing, and also like, what? Like, Oh my god, the thing I have probably like the most like I don't want to say problems with, but like the most I'm like really like okay I can suspend my disbelief a bit. Anne Marie, right, who lives in Cabrini Green, yes. she's like a mother to a baby named Anthony, yes, and Anthony is kidnapped by Candyman and held pretty much hostage for over a month in order to for, that is what killed me is that that exactly right there i was like what because you come to find out that helen helen is blamed for the kidnapping even though she i guess she didn't do it Candyman stole the baby and she gets put in a mental institution yeah. because she chopped the head off of a dog and attack and supposedly attacked amory with a knife right. and um she gets like put on a like a high dose of thorazine and then she goes into a meeting with some sort of like social worker apparently she's been in this mental hospital for a month and that baby is still missing is still missing and then they get to the baby and the baby's like fine and cute i'm like is the baby literally just hanging out with candy man like, is what candy is man, the baby eating is candy man feeding the baby is he changing no, the baby all he's doing is putting his finger <laughs> in his mouth really? maybe we'll find out in this new candy man because the baby anthony is going to be all grown up oh my gosh i would be gagged if that's what they did if they like explained how that baby survived for a month with candy man i think they you know i think that this new candy man <laughs> now, now knowing that you know anthony the baby is going to be the primary character i kind of feel that we'll probably get some loose ends tied up and maybe have a better appreciation for this movie because this isn't a bad I mean, I hope movie so. it's just confusing it's, not. it's, it's convoluted right. it's confusing there are a lot of it's almost like a season of american horror story like there's so many loose sure. ends and so many there's so many plot so holes. many things that are introduced like the apartment <laughs> complex being the same that just there's no there's nothing after that it's just yeah there's there's no explanation there's no rhyme or reason it just this is just like a series of coincidences that happen it's quiet and it's, even though it's an hour and 39 minutes it's quite long i don't know speaking of cabrini but, green that's a real housing project in chicago like you can find the specifics on where that apartment is yes like, and it's funny because i was reading so much about cabrini green that i actually ended up finding out that it was demolished the complete demolishment was finished on 2011 and now it's a target wow <laughs> i just went in yesterday the research Fuck. <laughs> wow tar- yeah you, damn you did you, you got down to the nitty gritty bitch you were like trying to figure out everything i love that um but i uh the new candy man 2020 it will take place in cabrini green but in in this you know fictional world of cabrini green it's still an apartment complex that has been gentrified 
Um, so they're gonna. So that's a lot of the theme in this new one as gentrification. I'm really excited for the new one. I like. I I haven't. I saw the trailer when you when you sent it to me, and I hadn't seen the original Candyman yet. And so then I watched it again afterwards, and I was like, oh my god, wait, okay, now I have a better understanding of the story. I heard them say Cabrini Green. Like, I you know, I was like, oh, Cabrini Green, I know what that is now. I didn't recognize that Anne-Marie was who she was. You know, I read this article, bringing it back to the race issue at hand. The article I read was like, um, you know, Candyman gets slammed, you know, by multiple people for being... Um, for being racist, which I don't think is necessarily true, but uh, you know, when you look back on it, you it is kind of racist because they're constantly villainizing, if that's a word, um, the black characters in the movie. I mean, even Anne Marie, she's yeah. frantic. Her baby's been kidnapped. Her dog's been deca- decapitated, and yet you still feel bad more so for Virginia Madsen's character. Yeah, she's getting framed, and you know, and then she, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know I what see I mean. That. Even Anne Marie is even like used as like a jump scare at one point. I was like, why wow. are we being scared of her? She's a, she is the most this the sweetest, the strongest character probably in the whole movie. And well, she's treated not as such. She's treated the, quite the opposite. The whole scene with her, I mean, I love that scene. But for some reason, I'm like, why does it was it necessary? Where she gets clocked in the head with a guy with a hook. And he's like, I heard you were looking for Candyman, bitch. You found him and bop. And then she has this huge black eye that within days is gone. Um, and then um, not only that but then they have that whole scene with the lineup the lineup uh, I guess this is what happens in the, in those areas but why bring it to the screen when you're not even gonna oh my play gosh. on it and but one of the moments I wrote down I was like oh my god wait that's crazy is that so she's talking to the uh whoever the police chief or whoever it is that you know was running it mm-hmm. he's talking to her and he's like thank god you know thank god you you named him we've been trying to get him off the streets forever and she's like well how did you how did you pick him up and he's like well you know we just shut down all of cabrini green and we went we went le- floor by floor and we arrested everybody and oh my god and that's how- why did i miss that making him responsible for all the murders because she's like oh does that mean he killed Ruthie Ruthie Jean he's like yeah yeah obviously he killed her he killed all these people so all of a sudden this character even though you know whatever he's done to her is now being blamed for all of these crimes and then and then she says well what about Jake about his you know about his like testimonial whole thing because he was there when she got beaten up and he goes we don't need him we have you and he says it with like a oh, weird smile on his face, like, like we don't we don't need anybody else. We have a white woman who has now named this black person as the criminal. So we don't, Therefore, he we is don't need the black now responsible. We don't need the black witness. We have you. You're you are the victim here. What what your testimony is now going to get this guy blamed for all of these crimes, and he's going away forever. Gagged. I was like, wow, oh that God. and and again. Was this moment intentional? I, I don't know. I feel like it might have been. And because then she does in the very next scene when she's talking to Bernadette. She's like, I couldn't believe it. I'm a white woman and I got attacked. Therefore, they put all these people away. Like, I, it's crazy. When when somebody else gets murdered or like, you know, when a person of color gets murdered. She says something along those lines. I don't exactly remember the line. Oh. Ruthie Jean got murdered and nobody's put away. She's like, but as soon as a white woman does it or, you know, is attacked, then all of a sudden he's 
you know, in prison. Yeah, like, Anne-Marie tells her earlier that, you know, she could hear Ruthie Jean being murdered and screaming and she called the police and it took them forever to show up. And so, I mean, they there are some things that are, you know, obviously addressed, but... But not well. That was a great... That moment not well enough, like, obviously, to send the message. <clears throat> right. It's like, it wasn't like, this is a condemned behavior. This is like an exciting moment for them that they had her as the witness because that means that they can carry out whatever they wanted to That's on this horrible. person. And, they, and I thought, and I thought that was and crazy. They wrongly accuse him of these murders, but all he's yes. really guilty of is knocking that white girl in her head when she's snooping around an apartment complex. She has no business being in. I think this movie's convoluted, as I kept, as I keep saying. It's a very <laughs> convoluted story. Um, I can't wait for this new one. I really do think that it's going to give this story the justice it needs. Me too. Um, I do feel that the saving grace of this movie is Tony Todd's performance as Candyman. He's the best Good. part of the movie, even though the character of Candyman, specifically in, in this movie, I can't speak for the sequels, but specifically in this movie, he's not a very well-written character. This new Candyman, I hope that they are able to to connect the dots yeah. and really give it really give that character the story that he deserves just having him be a monster doesn't make sense to me Jordan Peele is writing that and we all know what a fucking success he has been when it comes to writing yes. films and so I'm hoping for the best I think it's I think it looks like a fun it's, time if you haven't seen it check out the trailer yeah it's in good hands for sure Candyman 2020 is probably going to bring it because it has black filmmakers behind the scenes and I think that's what this story deserves and needs Candyman. I hope they don't talk about Helen's ass yeah no Helen she needs to go she's no damn boogie man we why because she's we melted <laughs> were there any urban legends or myths in the hometown that you grew up in I remember we had this, like, growing up, we had, like, a weird rock that was, like, on this little hill behind my house, and we called it Indian Rock, oh. which, oop, I, I don't know. I think we were, like, thought it was haunted for some reason, and people would go there at night and get really scared, but, like, anything specific I can think of. Did you? Was there, like, a haunted house or something in your neighborhood? There was a spooky house that was, like, abandoned. I can't even tell you how to get there. It was in Vallejo, because that's where I grew up. And it was there, and, you know, it had all these backstories. It was a, it used to be an orphanage and, you know, all these spooky things. Um, but also we had that, you know, basically that abandoned naval base, Mare Island. It's it's an actual little, yeah. you know, neighborhood, but there's this whole part of it that, you know, has all these abandoned warehouses and naval bases. And we broke inside one time, me and my friends. And they had all these, you know, they had graffiti everywhere and they had all this Satan stuff written all Ooh. over the walls. It was <gasps> definitely very candy ban. He, he's probably in oh, there. Wow. I should have said his name. Me and my friends would, um, I remember, or like we would do like camping, like my family and my family's friends um, would go camping and me and like some of the other kids. I remember we, one night we like went into the bathroom at the campsite and we, turn off all the lights I, th- I think but I don't think it was Candyman what we said I'm pretty sure we did Bloody Mary of course which is like sort of what Candyman's mythology is based on of course yeah and so I think we're like Bloody Mary Bloody Mary Bloody you know and I think we she showed up. freaked ourselves yeah, hell yeah she did <laughs> ah, like freaking out like Bloody Mary she's in there it's just like a raccoon or something I'm gonna finish all my candy tonight you know I can't mm. I can't I know my teeth are gonna fall out. Oh, teeth gonna fall out. There's holes in them. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we sign off? Let's log out. Thanks for listening, everybody. And remember, sweet screams, bitch. Join us next week because we're gonna be talking about the magnificent 
us, not us, Jordan Peele's us. Jordan Peele is quickly becoming a master of horror and we can't wait to tap into his creative brain. Talk to you then, bitch.